Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. This is Corey welcoming you to another edition of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Before we jump into the news for the week, um, I'm happy that we have a clip to share with you from one of the authors of a piece that we ran a couple weeks ago. Um, For those who uh, follow along regularly, we had a story about vaping among LGBT uh, adults, and one of the authors of that piece, Dr. Mahmoud Al-Rifai, wrote in or called in to uh, share some um, insight into that piece. So here we go. In these analyses, we examine the prevalence of e-cigarettes and other risk behaviors among LGB individuals. In summary, we found that 38% of LGB reported ever e-cigarette use compared to 20% among heterosexual individuals. LGB individuals were also more likely to currently use cigarettes and report dual use of e-cigarettes and cigarettes. This research is important as LGB are a vulnerable population. E-cigarette and regular cigarette use can have long-term health consequences in this group. This is especially important given that the long-term health effects of e-cigarettes is currently unknown. Future research is required to understand conceptions about the safety of e-cigarettes among LGB as well as reasons for its use. This will ultimately help design effective interventions aimed at curbing e-cigarettes and other associated risk behaviors among LGB. So again, a big thanks to Dr. Al-Rifai for sending in that report. Uh, For those who are interested in reading the study, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org and just skim down to the story that began with vaping skyrockets, and there you'll find the link. Now we'll jump into all of this week's news, which you can also find linked on our blog if you'd like to follow up with any of the stories. Our first piece of the week is Ready, Set, Prep to Launch. This is a really exciting uh, initiative and a really exciting story that I'm happy to be able to share with you. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services announced that a landmark program is launching to provide access to PrEP nationwide. The initiative, titled Ready, Set, PrEP, will make HIV prevention medicine available for free for t- uh, at 21,000 pharmacies or by mail order. Uh, Costs have been one of the big burdens to higher uptake in PrEP, uh, especially among LGBT people of color. So this is um, a really big development. And there's been lots of programs over the years um, provided by companies or um, state government or whoever to provide access to, to PrEP. Um, but th- those programs can be tougher to navigate. You have to qualify. Um, so seeing a program uh, that's backed by uh, Health and Human Services and that's going to be available at all major uh, pharmacy brands um, starting in just a couple months is really exciting. Okay, that was the good news. Our next story is a little bit more of a downer, um, but also important. HIV infections remain stagnant. So the CDC found that the number of new HIV infections per year remained statistically unchanged between 2013 and 2017. During that period, um, 2013 saw 38,500 new infections, and 2017 saw 37,500 infections, um, which were you know statistically uh, the same. Um, researchers said that there needs to be more uh, done to meet the goal of ending the epidemic in just 10 years. So that brings us right back to the PrEP story that we shared at the top. Um, 18.1% of those with indicators for using PrEP are actually taking it, which shows a huge opportunity for 
for growth. And, you know, these stats are only current as of 2017, since it takes a couple years for this kind of data to come out. So it could be that uptake since 2017 has improved. And with this new program, um, you know, it, it could continue to rise even more into 2020. So hopefully that number, 18.1%, will continue climbing and, and more people who could benefit from PrEP will start to access it. Next up, novel study on Alzheimer's and decision-making. The Regenstreif Institute announced a new study that will delve into the well-being of LGBT older adults with Alzheimer's and specifically look at the challenges that face their surrogate decision-makers. So that can be, you know, whoever they have designated as the person to help make medical decisions for them if and when they are not able to make those decisions themselves. Uh, the study's uh, founders, creators, note that in addition to facing discrimination, um, which surrogates must help them navigate, LGBT older adults um, already have other challenges when we look at aging. So, for example, they're more likely to live alone than non-LGBT adults. They're less likely to have children. So that means that they don't have kind of some of the, the built-in caretakers uh, that most folks uh, have in place when they age. These things can complicate care and decision-making, so it's going to be really um, interesting to see what this study finds, and hopefully out of this can come some suggestions for how to improve policy and practices um, to make sure that LGBT folks who have Alzheimer's or just in general are dealing with aging and, and related issues um, are able to access the care that they need. In our next story, high interest but lower use of LGBT clinics. Researchers found that only 13% of sexual minority adults have utilized an LGBT-specific healthcare clinic, with proximity to such a facility being one of the main factors as far as whether or not someone has used uh, such a clinic. Additionally, they found that 52% of LGBT people expressed interest in using an LGBT clinic in the future, which to me shows that there's a big unmet need for these services. Next up, family support associated with lower bullying. A UK-based study led by Katerina Sideropoulou found that having a supportive family was associated with reduced likelihood of being bullied for sexual minority youth. They found a 25.6% lower likelihood among young women and a 31% reduction among young men. Those are pretty impressive numbers. Coming from a supportive family was also associated with less workplace bullying, but the difference was less in that case than it was with school-based bullying. So there they found that sexual minority women um, had a 4.6% reduced risk of facing workplace bullying if they came from a supportive family, and that number was 12.5% for sexual minority men. Um, interesting also to see that these protective factors uh, seem to be helping men out more than women. And finally for the week, California advances inclusive health education. Fox reported on California's implementation of a recent law requiring LGBT inclusive health education at schools. California students are now exploring topics like LGBT identities and inclusion. The author of the piece says that the change has been controversial, even in a state that we generally think of as being favorable towards LGBT people. And they note that only 17 states uh, across the country even require sex ed to be medically accurate, much less inclusive of LGBT folks. 
Well, that does it for another week of the Roundup. If you have enjoyed hearing about any of these stories and you want to follow up and read the studies or articles yourself, you can find those, as always, at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. Thanks for listening, and talk to you next week. Thank you.